Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Governance, and I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down with Melissa Means, Managing Director at Pearl Meyer, to discuss how today's board directors are navigating critical compensation questions for leaders as companies emerge from COVID and face increasing attention and scrutiny related to both financial and non-financial strategic decision-making and performance impacts on their business. Melissa Means is with Pearl Meyer's Boston office with over 25 years of experience and This includes executive and non-employee director compensation, designing, implementing, and communicating total compensation strategies, pay for performance alignment, and short and long-term incentive compensation programs. She works closely with boards and management teams in addressing issues, including governance practices, executive transitions, succession planning, and aligning pay with business strategies. Melissa specializes in working with firms ranging in size from small private and pre-IPO organizations to large multinational companies across many different industries that include materials and industrials, consumer, healthcare, information technology, clean technology, and biotechnology. She's a certified compensation professional and a certified equity professional. She's also a member, author, and speaker for the National Association of Corporate Directors, the National Association of Stock Plan Professionals, and World at Work. She's a member of the Boston Club and Women Corporate Directors. Melissa was named to the Agenda Compensation 100, a listing of top board-ready professionals who make terrific compensation committee members. So Melissa, with all of that, welcome to BDO in the boardroom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you and I have shared the panel stage previously, and I found your comments to be very timely and highly insightful. So I look forward to speaking with you today and let's dive right into current events because I know we have a lot to talk about, particularly in the past year and a half. I guess what's been the most impactful turn of events to influence boardroom discussion around compensation? Well, I guess it would be, we would be hard pressed not to say that COVID was a huge impact as it relates to conversations in the boardroom on compensation. And and it still lingers a little bit. Like we've come through 2020. Most companies have filed their proxy statements already that disclose the information from 2020 and made their final pay decisions on how they handled incentive programs for 2020. And now they're off to the races and have already designed their 21 plans and are now already thinking about what's what's gonna happen for 22. So, but it's it, I think if we just take a step back and think about COVID for a minute, um, I would say that because it was such a big impact that there were a fair number of companies, um, of course, who were impacted by COVID in some way, shape or form, who did make adjustments to their short-term incentive program or what we might call our annual cash bonus program in some way, shape or form. Um, And it depended upon the impact that you had, whether you were negatively impacted or positively impacted, um, what those adjustments were in some way, shape or form. I will say though that most companies not all, but most did not actually touch their long-term incentive programs, many of which are 
are designed to measure performance over a longer than a 12 month or one year time horizon. Um, and so many of them are still sticking with the programs that were in place at that particular time or or said another way, waiting to see how the next two years play out, if you will. Um, so I would say that, I mean, from the moment we went into lockdown in the United States, it was just nonstop conversations around what, what's going to happen to our business, what's going to happen to our comp programs. And honestly, it's it's nice and refreshing, even though we don't have all of the answers today, it's nice and refreshing not to be talking fully about the impact of COVID quite as much um, as we did in the past year. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so, so I guess, you know, when we're thinking about right now, so the time of this recording, which is uh, late spring, early summer of 2021, what are the boards most focused on now and what trends are you seeing as it relates to executive compensation? So let's, let's look forward. Yeah, the forward looking piece. <laughs> it's like wasn't there enough that just happened in the past 12 months like where are we going from here right i would say that the there's probably two things that are really front and center for many compensation committees and boards the first would be um as it relates to actually they both sort of relate back to environmental, social, and governance aspects of things. So ESG is here to stay, and we're talking about each one of those categories, if you will. If I drill deeper, I would say that for compensation committees, we're spending a fair amount of time on um, expanding our charters for compensation committees to really cover human capital management, diversity, equity, inclusion, and then anything else you might throw into what could be the S of social first uh, environment, um, social and governance ESG metrics, um, measure factors, if you will. So expansion of charters to focus on those areas. And then I would say the second piece is, and literally it is the question of the day, which is to say, should we be putting some kind of metric in our either short or long-term incentive program as it relates back to human capital management, diversity, equity, inclusion, or whatever else you might want to put in there, fill in the blank. I would say those are the two primary things that are really going on in our hot conversation right now. Yeah, that that seems to make a lot of sense. But I guess you had said, you know, I think you'd said not all companies are in the same place on these two topics, which is a very, um, I think, astute thing to recognize because most companies are not anywhere near each other in, in the same place on anything related to ESG, but in particular, the two areas you just were speaking to. So, you know, maybe we could break this down. So the charter expansion you talked about and the incentive plan, maybe let's start a little bit further on that in, in terms of, you know, human capital management and diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah, so not all companies are on the same page or at the same place in development, conversation, understanding, or implementation for that matter. And, and I kind of feel like there's almost and I'm generalizing here, so please bear with me on that. Not everybody always falls into these three categories, but I would say on average, you've got your very large Fortune 500, Fortune 200, Fortune 100 who are on top of um, human capital management, diversity, equity, inclusion. They may even have their own corporate social responsibility reports or separate reports that they're publishing um, on a web page. Um, they have their own form of disclosure around all of these topics or many of these topics or certain aspects of these topics. So they, I would say, are probably the most advanced as it relates to this. And quite frankly, 
started to evolve their comp committee charters a few years ago to uh, adapt these kinds of topics and adopt these kinds of topics and are having full board discussions on them as well. Then I would say kind of there's a the middle of the road category, and this is where many companies sit, but not all. And that is we're trying to figure this out. <laughs> so those companies that are having conversations now or started a conversation a year ago um, about expanding our charter, who have actually maybe even expanded the charters, um, responsibility for the Comp Committee to Human Capital Management and Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and are now really digging in to understand, okay, how what are we doing at the company? Have we had any issues before around these particular issues? How have we handled them? What are some of our metrics? You know, if we were to, you know, measure male and female and compensation and, and equality or diversity, how are we doing on our numbers? What does it look like? Sharing of information, and maybe even some going as far as to being uh, implementing some programs to help improve numbers in certain areas and in certain categories. So that's kind of like the, the general population right now is sitting in the, we're figuring it out. <laughs> we don't have it all nailed, but we're figuring it out. And then I would say there's the third category and that's the, we don't know what to do next. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's more of a, where do we start? And it's, it's more of, should it be with the full board? Should it be with the comp committee? You know, the other two categories that I just described have decided, yes, it, it does belong with the comp committee for whatever reasons, but there are some companies who have full board responsibility for these areas. So there are those companies that are literally just starting on their journey or getting ready to start on their journey or trying to figure out where do we start on our journey. And that, I would kind of say that's kind of the three categories of of comp committee charter evolution for companies. Now that that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think one of the things when when you're talking about the charter expansion, can you can you share a little bit more on on what that's that looks like from a traditional aspect to now what we're seeing right now for the for this expanded role or responsibilities, I should say. Absolutely. So a typical compensation committee charter is very focused on making decisions around compensation for your executive team, managing and not managing, but responsibility, fiduciary responsibility for oversight of our incentive programs, short and long term, making sure we're you know using our shares and our equity program in the right way, those types of things. So there are strategic elements of it, but it's very much focused on compensation elements, if you will. Um, the expansion of the charter is starting to add things, and it's it's literally like adding a bullet in the list of to-dos that are typically in a charter. So it's not like we're talking about a wholesale rewrite. What we're really at is adding in a bullet or two. And some of those bullets can be very high level, and they just simply say, you know, the compensation committee will have responsibility for, you know, various aspects of human capital management. And they may go on in that bullet to say, which includes um, succession planning or um, bench strength development, not just at our executives, but the next level and the next level down. So going a little deeper in the organization, that talent development element, if you will, um, review of um, diversity and inclusion um, uh, metrics and perspectives within the organization. So it's it's like I said, it's not a whole rewrite but it's an additional element of responsibility, which by the way, adds to more work, a little longer compensation committee meetings, meetings, but that's really kind of tactically how we're seeing those changes happen. 
No, that's, that's a good point. And, and just as I put my kind of broader hat on, so when you're seeing that in the compensation committee, you know, we're also seeing other elements of that in other committees of the board, right? So you have, for example, the audit committee, which now they're wrestling with, you know, if it's a U.S.-based company, they might be wrestling with the materiality factors of having to disclose your human capital risk and material, you know, material impacts to your financial statements. So that that's kind of so one of the things that we we get questions on is, is where truly does this all belong? And the answer is it depends, <laughs> right? Well, it, <laughs> to it, a large the answer is it belongs everywhere. Right. Yeah. There are different elements of this, which means it funnels back to the full board. So even in a comp committee, you know, when a comp committee chair does a readout at the board meeting, it should be around those the elements of those topics that they're responsible for reviewing. Right. And but they're going to be similar aspects of it that the audit committee is going to have elements of it as well. Right now with human capital management disclosure in the 10K, right? So there's your overlap. So it, it does all come back to the full board. I, at first, I actually was thinking that it should lie with the full board on all of these pieces. And then the more time I spend with it over the years, the more I said, it's not possible for the full board to get their arms around it and do everything. Hence why we have committees. And it makes sense to farm out certain elements to the different committees to do those types of things. And yeah. Report back. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the report back piece is is the critical piece because eventually at the end of the day, this all has to tie together into the unique position and story of the company, right? So this is all part of a, a broader landscape of conceptual ideas that feed into tactical action items that the company is taking and, and trying to explain to all their stakeholders. So I, I absolutely agree with you on that. So maybe getting back more to the to the compensation focus. What are you seeing for incentive plan design related to ESG metrics? And do those practices, you know, also differ here based on the size of the company as you laid out previously? Yeah. So it, it does to some degree feel a little bit like the same kind of categories. Um, and it depends on which letter you're picking, E, S, or G, right? Um, what I would say is that there are certain industries who have been using an ESG metric in their incentive programs or even in their, maybe not incentivizing on it, but using it in a, um, a scorecard um, on an annual basis for a very long time, right? We've got um, chemical companies, heavy manufacturing organizations that have probably had safety measures um, at some point, either on a scorecard or in an incentive program for a long time. So it's not like they didn't have them before and we're just starting to do it now. It's just it, it, we're getting more highlights on the S, particularly in the past year, given everything that's been going on around the world. And so when I think about um, the S part of it, I would say there are kind of those three categories, right? We've all been reading the news, um, whether we're reading it online or in a my neighbor still gets a newspaper. So uh, whether you're reading it hard copy or whether you're reading it online um, is, uh, is, you know, Apple or Google or Facebook or Amazon, right? Who uh, The list of the who's who who have come forward and made public statements around measuring improvements around diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And I won't go into the details, but we've all read different articles about it. So they're there and they've made public announcements um, around those pieces. Then again, you have that kind of second category, which is where, again, many are sitting. 
which is to say, okay, now we've got expansion of our comp committee charter and we have a fiduciary duty and responsibility around these areas. And now we're getting more information and data from management to understand our practices, where we need improvement. We may even be rolling out some programs that are going to help move the mark on any one of these aspects. And then the question, and literally as I sit in every one of um, every director-oriented event this year, the question is, do we need to put it in our incentive program or not? And there are two schools of thought, right? The one is you get what you pay for. <laughs> so if we don't pay for it, we won't see uh, focus or a, a time or attention towards it. And then there's the other school of thought that sometimes says, do you have to pay for it? And can you motivate it through culture and, and emphasis? And can it be on a scorecard and still create the same um, uh, focus? if you will. And I think that's where everybody's kind of sitting right now. I, I will say that, you know, 2021's compensation programs have already been implemented for most companies at this point. It's June of 2021, right? So what we're really talking about is to say, should we include some kind of metric for 22? And what plan should it be in? Should it be in our short or long-term incentive plan? Depends on, you know, what it is we're trying to measure how long we think it might take to show improvement on it. Um, it also comes down to the question of how much of our incentive program or weighting should it be? Because if you remember, right, we still have to financially perform in order to earn a bonus or to be able to physically pay the bonus. So how much of an incentive program is it? Is it just a modifier? Or is it an actual weighted component of the of the plan itself? And so a lot of companies are kind of in that middle category going, should we or do we need to put this in our 2022 program, either short or long term? And then again, then you have that last category of, of folks who are just getting started down this road generally and haven't even gotten to the point of thinking, does it need to be in our comp program? Because they're still trying to figure out um, who has responsibility for it from a board perspective and, and what do we want to see, right? They're still at the beginning of the journey. So there's still kind of those same categories. Yeah, that, that truly makes a lot of sense. And and how much maybe, this is kind of a, a an add-on to put you on the spot, how much, because ESG is really hard to compare apples to apples right now with the, the crazy regulatory and reporting landscape that we're seeing. So how much, I guess, stock, if you will, or how much um, competitive nature are companies putting on this? So when they're looking at their own compensation plans compared to their competitors, I guess, how, how are they making those connections? And is there enough information potentially out there currently to do that? That's maybe the better question. Yeah, so that's a great question. I would say that data, so can we go pull a proxy statement and understand exactly how, and I'm just making this up for this, this point, how exactly how Apple is going to measure improvement or change or whatever as it relates to you know, diversity, improvement on diversity and equity and inclusion uh, in its proxy statement? And there's not a lot of details in there, right? And, and quite frankly, some of this is a little fuzzy. Um, and that's one of the reasons why there are many companies in the middle trying to figure out what do we want to measure and how are we going to measure it? Um, it is measurable, by the way. I think we can set very smart goals around it. It's just we have to be thoughtful and, and ready to do it. 
Um, and so finding market data to go, oh, well, we have, you know, we have 10 peers and here's what they all do. It's not easy to find that. And so that that and so that's why I think in it literally in all of the different directors events that I've been at this year, the peer exchanges have been most exciting for the directors because they can share what they're dialogue, you know, confidentially, of course, what they're dialoguing <clears throat> on and where that what point are they at and what are they thinking? And and so that's been super helpful, I think, for board members, because there is no easy, perfect answer for all of us. Um, and it really depends on what you're trying to move the mark on. Right. And I think that's a similar similar questioning, similar line of questioning we're getting. So show me what my competitors are doing. And it's like, well, you know, that that's easier said than done because of all the reasons you just cited. So agree. Agree. Well, and, and Amy, to that, if I could just add one more thing, one could say, um, you know, competitor data is helpful, right? What are others doing, right? It, it's always a basis of information. It's not always the basis of information for which you now know need, go need to do, um, but it's always a nice basis to understand that. But some, some might actually push back and say, hey, these are important things societally. Does it matter that five out of our 10 peers aren't actually focused in any of these areas, but it matters to us as a company. It's a part of our culture. It always has been a part of our culture, you know, fill in the blank of whatever that story might be. Um, and, and should we be doing it as a result of that? You know, more, more, as we have more um, Generation Z in the workforce, right, along with millennials, they are looking to want to work for companies who make these areas important and a part of their cultural values. And so it's not just, you know, it's not just external, but it's internal, right? So it's that whole story that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, again, you're very insightful. I think it's it's maybe less about keeping up with the Joneses and much more about understanding who your own stakeholder base is and how impactful they are to the decision making of your business. So I, I think I think you're absolutely on point there, and that that resonates with all of the things that I'm hearing. The the conversations that the board members I'm speaking to are are struggling with right now, for for lack of a better word. Um, so I guess my my last question for you today is what would you recommend to companies who don't really know where to start? So that third bucket you've been talking about in two areas, especially, um, you know, if they're a small or mid cap public company or even a private company, because I think too often the pri private companies, you know, don't always fall into this conversation, but they're just as it's just as an important topic to them as it is to a public company at this point. That's right. That's exactly right. I, I agree. It doesn't matter private or public. You know, what I would say is I think it it might be easy to put it as uh, an agenda item on a comp committee's agenda. You know, you don't have to put a ton of time to it. It could be five to maybe 15 minutes at best. And it's just an opportunity to dialogue on it together as a committee to say, you know, is this something that we should spend more time on? Um, how might we even begin to define human capital management? What does it mean to us? Because I'm quite certain if I went out to the street, if I asked you, myself, and somebody else, how would you define human capital management? We get you know slightly different answers. They may be elements that overlap, but there could be differences too. So I'm a big fan of starting off with an initial conversation to say, hey, what should we be doing? What do we want to do? And how do we define this? Can we come to a common ground of how we define this for our organization? How does our CEO in the organization define it? 
and then start to get some data from management, right? Um, around any one of those topics that could fall underneath that, whether it's related to pay equity, whether it's related to, um, you know, how many women we have in senior management or on the board, right? There's information that management may already be tracking or has tracked for a while, but may never have been shared with the board or the comp committee. And so I think starting there, put it on your agenda, spend a little bit of time dialoguing on it, excuse me, (laughs) Um, define it. What does it really mean to us or what do we think it should mean? And then start to collect some data and see where do we go from there? I think that's probably the easiest place to start. if if you haven't already. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that that presumes the understanding that maybe management hasn't already started because they probably have, and maybe that hasn't been a conversation that's risen to where it needs to be. So maybe, you know, you're gonna have companies that fall into that kind of side bucket, if you will, that management may be already down a path to try to figure this all out. And the board is just starting to step into asking questions on that and what's their role and how can they be effective in their oversight function on that element. So that, yeah. that's right. I mean, I, I think what I have found when those kind of conversations have started at the comp committee, um, how management has been able to come forward and say, oh, gosh, you know, we've been you know, doing talent development for X number of years, we have done X, Y, and Z, excuse me, as a result of that, those just never got shared up up with the board. And so I think many board members are pleasantly surprised to find out that management has their arms around a fair number of things. Are, Are there other things that they could certainly focus on going forward? You bet. But I think there's a nice surprise that many find that, um, you know, there are things that have already in the works and have been going on for a while. Yeah, yeah. What one would hope, right? right. <laughs> some board members, if you talk to them, they do tend to take offense to the fact that we've been doing this forever. This is not new. You know, maybe we just find need to find a better way to speak to it, right? So that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, this has been really helpful. Maybe I'm gonna leave you with kind of the last word. Is there any kind of parting comments you might have for you know our our audience of directors and aspiring directors out there from a compensation committee? focus or otherwise, (laughs) or governance in general. Yeah, I was trying to think to something that aligns back to kind of what we were just talking about. I I do think I, I think for those kind of companies who haven't started down the path of thinking about this, I think that it's important that they should. And and it's not just because societally it's the right answer. I think that it's the right answer because whether it's internal or external, your existing employee population or, or institutional investors or you know, the financial reporting, the 10K disclosure, whatever it might be, people want to know, right? Um, individuals want to know, what is my company doing to help in these areas? And are we making improvements? And is it important to us culturally? And they're making decisions around that as to whether I want to be employed at this organization based on how and how and what we do. And we've heard of, you know, lots of stories in the past year plus of things that kind of went sideways and employees are disappointed or, you know, are moving on to other places. Right. So I think it's more about your brand and brand image. Uh, It has a huge impact on those types of things. Forget whether it's in the comp program, first and foremost, just it's it's the right thing to do. And so how do you stay on top of that? 
to make sure you've got a good story for your employee population, any future new hires, and the rest of the external world. Great, great points. Well, Melissa Means, thank you very much and pleasure having you on the program. I hope you'll I hope you'll come back as uh, this story unfolds because I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about in, in the upcoming months. But I, I wanna thank you for your time and as always thank our participants for tuning in. Stay tuned for more episodes from BDO in the Boardroom. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.